Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up? Welcome. Thursday edition of the program. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the ESPN Honolulu studios, and we are being joined in the house by my man, KHON2 Sports Director, once again back, Rob DeMello. What's up, Robbie D? What's up? How you doing, bro? I'm doing all right. Doing okay. Uh, you came in. You had a, a, a certain edge about you, uh, a, a rage, a fury, if I may. Uh, and you were, you were focusing most of that rage on our board operator, Keegan Ota, who badmouthed your L.A. Angels of Anaheim uh, the last time you were in here uh, because we were talking about how exciting it's going to be, right, and, and, and talking pretty presumptuously there uh, about how exciting it's going to be to have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and Kurt Suzuki again mm-hmm. in the postseason. Like, we haven't seen Mike Trout play in the postseason much. We haven't seen Shohei get there. And so to have both those guys in, it's going to be very exciting. However, it's very early in the season, as you wanted to point out. Did not want to give yourself any kind of botchy threat. Uh, and Keegan, uh, as we were coming back on the air, was like counting down like three, two, one, and basically badmouth your angels. Uh, you didn't necessarily get a chance to counter. We left the studio. But here you are making your return visit since then. And what have the Angels done? They've absolutely collapsed. <laughs> they went on like a four-game losing streak from the moment that Keegan said that the Angels are going to find a way to blow this thing. And uh, they got walked off by the Rangers. They had the, the day after that, they, they Texas scores like an eight-run eighth inning to take that one. They... They, they've been struggling, right? now. They Shohei's up, on the mound today. Shohei's on the mound today, but they start a series against the Blue Jays, <laughs> and when you are coming off of losing more games than you've won against the Rangers and the Athletics over the last couple of weeks, that's not the place you want to be in. So, Keegan, I'd appreciate it if you can put some good energy now towards the Angels as they enter this tough stretch of facing the AL East. And, and, and we're looking at Keegan. We have sort of a monitor setup. So he's in the room adjacent to us, um, and so we wouldn't be able to see him through the wall, but we have a monitor setup. There's like a camera in there, so we can mm-hmm. actually look through the monitor at him, and he is not looking the part of anyone that is even remotely interested in trying to no. it, uh, uh, lift his foot off of the gas pedal as far as his denouncement of the Angels. He is sitting back. He's wearing a University of Hawaii striped golf shirt. He is wearing sunglasses, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, in yeah. a windowless office. <laughs> he is wearing sunglasses here uh, just afternoon, four minutes past <laughs> the hour of 12 o'clock. Uh, and he is in there looking about as, as pompous, uh, about as arrogant as any human being can, <laughs> uh, because he also has called the Dallas Mavericks to advance to the NBA Finals. They were able to ward off elimination the other night. Uh, I'm not sure if, if they will still be alive at the end of this day, but he is sitting there like a man who has absolutely been validated for his sports takery here in the last week. And, and I got to say that um, watching him through this little monitor that we have <laughs> and this come at me bro <laughs> pose that he has, I kind of respect it. And I'm a little less upset than I was because you know what? I'm just impressed. Yeah, it's like his confidence is is so <laughs> overwhelming and um and and maybe like uh, so misguided, but yet it's just you have nothing to do but just respect it, right? Like, hey man, you you do yep. you, bro. Yep, exactly. <laughs> 
Ikenota. Uh, he is one of a kind. All right, yes, 296-1420 is the number to call. We're coming to you on this Thursday. We have a little bit of breaking news that has transpired here today. UH football announcing that there will be four games on national television. We'll get to the specifics of that here in a bit. Definitely want to talk some UH baseball as they get ready to begin a three-game series against Cal Poly to close the season. Hawaii, if they pull off a sweep here, Cal Poly's been playing some really, really good baseball, but if Hawaii's able to pull off a sweep here, they would finish in second place of the Big West Conference. Yes, a down year in the league, uh, but that would certainly be an accomplishment worth acknowledging. We'll get to that, but I think the biggest piece of breaking news as it pertains to a Hawaii athlete, uh, Michelle Wee making a pretty big announcement. She's one of the biggest names in, in the women's game uh, and has been for some time. But in an interview with Golf Week, uh, she said that she would be stepping away from the LPGA Tour. She confirmed her intent to play in next week's U.S. Women's Open, which is being held at Pine Needles, but that she would steer clear of competition golf or competitive golf until next year's championships. She says, I'm definitely not ruling anything out. She's 32 years of age, turned professional at the age of 15, had that mountain of expectations that were on her shoulders, right? Uh, and while her career didn't necessarily uh, maybe reach the level of those massive expectations, really, how could they in some respects? Uh, she still was able to capture five tour wins, um, U.S. Open crown, got a degree from Stanford, um, now part of the West family, right? Michelle Wee West uh, is now officially her name. And so I think she said in this interview, she says, quote, because I accomplished both of those, I think I feel very happy in my decision now. I think if I hadn't won the U.S. Open, I'd still be out there competing week to week trying to get that U.S. Open win. And so this, this is left somewhat open-ended, but there is at least an immediate plan for her to step away from the tour and to make competitive golf much less of a priority. She has been dealing with some injuries in recent years. Her play and, and participation on tour between that and having a family uh, has been sporadic, to say the least. But at 32 years of age, what do you think about Michelle Wee uh, and, and, and this, this announcement, so to speak? Yeah, you know... I I'd be lying if I said that or anyone that really has followed her career, especially over the last few years, would be surprised by it because she has pulled back already on the amount of competition that she takes in uh, on, on the LPGA Tour. I think for me, it, the, the one thing that jumps out is let's take a step back. And yes, huge expectations for Michelle Wee. Because of everything of what she was doing as a teenager, right? I mean, she played, attempted to make a cut on a PGA Tour event. She became a pro as a young teen. She had the endorsement deals, and everyone looked at her as the Tiger Woods of the women's yeah. game, of, you know, the, the, the same kind of expectations that we placed on LeBron James coming onto the basketball court. Now, if you take a step back, though, and you look at what she did accomplish, five LPGA Tour victories, a major win. When you look at the uh, philanthropy side of what she's been able to do, both here locally with the U.S. Uh, the Junior Golf Association here locally, and then with all the other things that she does in the Bay Area and in Florida and for the game of golf. I mean, we're looking at one of the most successful professional careers of any Hawaii athlete ever. And so it's kind of a weird yeah. dynamic where – I think you, if you ask a lot of people, they say that, oh, Michelle, we did not reach the expectations that people placed on her. But if you if you remove that and you just look at, okay, what, let's look at what she did accomplish. I mean, you're putting her, you know, in, in very elite company with, uh, you know, the, the likes of a Shane Victorino or a Jesse Sapolu 
or a Max Holloway of, of really capturing titles, becoming uh, what would be considered among the best of what you do. I mean, I think that's what we need to look at is that Michelle Wee is one of the greatest athletes in Hawaii sports history. I mean, certainly the the standout golf career, you could say she's the greatest golfer to ever come out of the state of Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, and, and sports fandom is, is weird. And, and the media does play a role in this, right? The, the building up of these up-and-comers, right? Everyone wants to be uh, right there front and center to witness the development of that next big thing. And Michelle Wee came up at a time when Tiger Woods was at his peak. Mm -hmm. And here's this girl in Hawaii, this teenager, really tall for her age, hitting bomb drives, playing at this incredible level uh, with this this motivation and desire to play against men. It's like, you know, there, there were all these... Uh, sort of sociological uh, norms and lines that she absolutely did not hesitate to try to cross, right? Uh, and so with the expectation, you know, came uh, sort of some of some of that would-be pressure and then the way sports fandom works, right? It's like, oh, she didn't live up to it or, oh, see, she didn't make the cut and why are we blowing? You know, people, they, you start to then poke your uh, or, or, or dip your toe into the pool of, like, haterade, right? Mm -hmm. And that's some mm -hmm. of the stuff that came at her. But you're right. I think if, if you're able to, to reduce it down and just strip it down to, you know, here is this, this girl that, that grew up here. Um, and, 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 you know, really developed her game and her reputation and her resume here in the islands. Uh, and what does she go on to do? She turns pro at 15, and what does she do? She signs a $10 million Nike endorsement deal. And so you look at that, like, she is an overwhelming success. Uh, if you're counting all of the, the wins and you're trying to compare her to Annika Sorenstam or you're trying to compare her to Nancy Lopez, yeah, you know, that's where, um, you know, resume-wise, uh, she will not have, have put together the, the kind of career success on the golf course uh, that those incredible individuals did. But if, if you're just talking about Michelle Wee, where she came from, right, and, and what she has been able to do with her life and the money and fortune she's been able to build uh, with at least a modicum of success that can never be denied or taken away. It's like, she's 32 years old, and she's able to make this decision. Uh, that right there, to me, is, is a sign that, you know, she, she's done good. She's done well for herself. Like, she's, 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 she's made it. Uh, if you're 32 years old and you can consider, like, ah, I don't think I'm going to play competitively for a while. I'm going to focus on my family because she can. Uh, that's, that's nothing to hate on. Yeah, and, you know, and we, we talk about this all the time about great moments and, and whether it's uh, moments that we've been able to experience ourselves in, in, in covering Hawaii sports here over the last uh, couple of decades for you and I. That 2004, I believe it was, the Sony Open on that Friday where she was that close to making the cut as a teenager. Yeah. And the gallery was about the biggest I've ever seen the Sony Open in all the years that I've been covering that golf tournament. I mean, that is up there, man. I mean, I, I don't know if one day I'll ever put a list together, all the cool things I was able to see. That was up there, and especially on that final hole and everyone just waiting with bated breath. Uh, that, that was a great time. That was a, a phenomenal time for Hawaii sports right there. Yeah, you know, and she was hampered a bit by injuries. Um, 
you know, the, the pressure continued to mount. Uh, imagine dealing with that. And you're a teenage young girl turning and transitioning in the very awkward teenage years into a young woman, a young adult. Imagine having that kind of pressure on you. And hey, look, she and her family did ask for that, right? They, they, they welcomed that. They, they welcomed that challenge. And so, you know, uh, th there's, it's not in any way trying to sort of paint her as this, this victim, but just imagine trying to do mm -hmm. that and maintain this level of success under the weight of that expectation. Uh, and she never got into any real trouble off the course, um, never got into any kind of real controversy, at least not significant stuff. Uh, and, and here she is now uh, able to uh, focus on, on, on starting a family and, and able to focus on her personal life. And, and she's made a great deal of bucks. And, you know, she's, she's, she's doing all right. Uh, we have a text message. 296-1420 is the number to call or text. This is from Leroy. Uh, basically saying Michelle is a great ambassador for golf and Hawaii as well as Florida and California. I mean, you're right. She has ties to all of those all of those areas. And uh, I, I think what will ultimately be and, and you know how the narrative changes as time goes on. Right. Um, the, the, the painting sort of the shades of the painting tend to, to evolve. Um, and when we look back on this, I think years from now, and, and maybe we can even start to do that. I think her greatest accomplishment will have been the attention she brought to the game of golf in general, but particularly women's golf. I, I think that's going to ultimately go down as one of her greatest accomplishments, is she got people to care about the LPGA, care about uh, this, this, this game of golf that was starting to infiltrate, you know, younger and younger participation and interest. And, you know, you look at the tour now, uh, certainly with her influence as being, having grown up here as, as sort of being in proximity to Asia, and you look at the Asian influence now in women's golf, that has to be something that can be directly attributed to her too. Absolutely, and you bring about the eyeballs to women's golf at that time. And I remember, you know, there were players who were performing better than she was at the time that were becoming bigger stars because people were tuning in to see Michelle. And, and it was always crazy to me that she was met with such resistance, especially by that older crop of, of LPGA stars that you would call them at that time. Um, when, you know, if they took a step back for a second and, and came to the realization of, wait, we need Michelle Wee because the more people that follow Michelle Wee means that they're going to see me winning these events. And that means more endorsement money is going to come to me. And, and so it's silly how at that time that was not the the motive and that, that wasn't the thought process. It was more along the lines of, you know, for lack of a better term, people thought it was a sideshow. Right. Oh, this, this young girl on tour, she shouldn't she didn't belong. She's taken away from other more deserving people who had worked harder, longer to get this spot. And, uh, you know, when you look at it now, though, in the year 2022 and you look at how the game has evolved and all the advertising revenue and, and, and the importance of television towards the LPGA tour, it all started in those early 2000s. Michelle, we played a very big part. Yeah, no, I think that's very well put. 296-1420 is the number to call. So best of luck to Michelle here and whatever she decides to, to focus her attention on in this at least hiatus, it sounds like, uh, away from the tour. We'll see if she comes back. That's the great thing about golf is, you know, in 10 years, you can be like, all right, I'm ready to go for it again, full time. Like, she can do that at any time. That's and the it, thing and about golf. And it's great because there's an event here every year and i mean a sponsor's exemption oh, man. i mean it's just waiting for Guaranteed. michelle e. west to yeah. say like hey i'll play uh at the, at the lote this time around yeah 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. That is a guaranteed yeah. sponsor's <laughs> exemption spot. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the nationally televised games that was announced by the UH football program uh, that will take place here this upcoming season. Plus, uh, we'll get into a little chatter about UH baseball. This final series is coming up. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. We're coming to you on this Thursday. Kanoa Leahy here in the ESPN Honolulu studios being joined up here with my man, Rob DeMello, KHON2 sports director. We got a very confident Keegan Ota who is already <laughs> throwing out all kinds of predictions about the Angels. And he's, he walked in here between uh, the, the break there and was saying the Angels will win the next two games. And you mentioned they're taking on the Blue Jays and that's going to be a tough series. But uh, the Keegan has spoken. So you should feel pretty good about that, Rob. Hey, man. Yeah, he was right about them uh, not <laughs> playing well. So if he says they're going to play well, then all right. <laughs> the most confident man in the world, Keegan Ota. All right. The UH football team, uh, obviously a lot of excitement here. Year one of the Timmy Chang era is fast approaching, and it was announced today by the University of Hawaii that four of the football games on the schedule have been picked up uh, by national broadcasters. So they're going to have at least four nationally televised games. Uh, I think there is still a chance maybe one of the national broadcasters picks up uh, the Hawaii-Nevada contest would be that one that's sort of still lingering out there. Spectrum Sports pay-per-view will probably, at least the TV side, have the other games, with the exception maybe of New Mexico State, because that's a road game and they kind of have their flow sports contract. So that one's a, a bit tricky. But uh, And then, of course, we'll have the coverage here with the uh, Veneri broadcasters uh, for uh, all of the radio coverage throughout the season. But as far as the nationally televised games are concerned, it will start with the season and home opener against Vanderbilt. August 27th will air on CBS Sports Network, 4.30 p.m., Hawaii time, one of two games picked up by the network. Hawaii's road game at San Diego State October 8th at the new Snapdragon Stadium will also be televised on CBS Sports Network with a 7.30 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. Uh, also part of the Mountain West television package is a road game at Fresno State. That's November 5th. That will air on one of the Fox Sports Networks. Uh, kick time uh, outlet specifically will be determined as the uh, regular season plays out. And then, of course, you have uh, the Hawaii game at the Big House uh, at Michigan, September 10th in Ann Arbor. That's going to air on the Big Ten Network. That has an 8 p.m. Eastern start time. So uh, your thoughts here as, as obviously the, the schedule continues to unfurl and we start to learn a little bit more about how we're going to be able to ingest UH football here in year one of the Timmy Chang era. Uh, your thoughts on, on Hawaii's opportunities on national television? Well, the first thing that jumps out is, is that you know, outside of the Vanderbilt season opener, which makes a ton of sense because it's an SEC school and it's the first college football game of the season, um, not just for the University of Hawaii, but for the college football world, that one makes a lot of sense to why it's nationally televised. But the other thing that jumps out is that, you know, all these games are road games and it makes you start to wonder about the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex and uh, whether or not that is appealing to the national broadcaster of airing the Hawaii home games, unlike Aloha Stadium, which seemed to be in the years past where a lot of the home games were the ones that were nationally televised. And so uh, it could just be how the schedule worked out. And, you know, you're playing a couple of the powers in the Mountain West Conference um, on the road this upcoming season. And, and so I could be looking into something that's really not there. But it, it was something that jumped out to me immediately as far as these are a lot of road games that, that are being nationally televised. And I wonder if there is any issue with the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex and its 9,000-seat capacity and um, 
you know, it doesn't have uh, some of the bells and whistles for the TV production side that Aloha Stadium had, case in point, when we do Spectrum Sports, uh, Kavika Hallams, Jordan Helley, and I, <laughs> Nadi Lawa at times, are at Les Murakami Stadium on a balcony overlooking the, the stadium. Um, so there's just something that, that, that really jumped out to me. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair point. I, I, I do think that... Um some of the broadcasters that came in, right, some of the national or regional broadcast teams that came in, found it to be a different experience. Let's use air quotes on that term. Um, and, and so, yeah, maybe that plays a factor. Um, you know, Spectrum Sports, it's not going to stop our television broadcast, that's, that's for sure. Uh, but it is a, a different kind of facility as far as the broadcasting aspect of it goes. The other thing that stands out, uh, this is going to be the fewest, at least to this point, the, the fewest announced nationally televised games for a single season since 2009 when there were three games that were nationally televised. Uh, and so, again, I think that Nevada game, uh, that's Hawaii hosting Nevada on October 15th. I think that one is, is still sitting out there as a possible pluck for a nationally televised game down the road. We'll see how the season plays out or how the summer plays out. Uh, but as it currently stands, four, that's a smaller number than what this program is usually experiencing. Is there anything you can read into from that vantage point? Yeah, and especially with you talking about uh, Nevada and that possibility of the national broadcasters maybe waiting to see, like, okay, let's see how these two teams play throughout this season. And then when we get to that game, hey, it might be a game that would be good for the national audience. What's interesting is uh, Chris Murray, who follows Nevada football very close, closely over there in Reno, I, I, I don't know what the source was, but he had subtweeted a list of the fewest amount of returning production by every team in college football. It was, and uh, Nevada and Hawaii were at the bottom of that list. And so... That's really interesting because those are two teams that it, it could be like a Utah State situation where a year ago where once you get into the fall and you have your complete roster and all your transfers are completed, you get all your players in, it could turn into something incredible where it's, hey, this team is much better than they were last year because all these new players and and all this uh, the influx of, of new opportunities and talent. Or it could go the other way where it's, it's, it's very difficult to lose that amount of talent and still have a good season uh, following up on that. So it, it's really interesting that Hawaii-Nevada game is kind of being viewed that way because, yeah, there are no there's no two teams in the country with bigger question marks than the Rainbow Warriors and the Wolfpack. Yeah, yeah, no, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, where are you at as far as your anticipation slash excitement level for the start of the football season? Oh, I'm, I'm super excited for it because I, I think, like everyone, I'm interested to see what it looks like on the field. We see what it looks like in the community check mark sure. we see what it looks like as far as conducting a practice and and building a foundation and a culture on the practice field i thought that was a check mark in spring but then the hovering narrative that was going around the whole time in the spring was this is not the team that's going to hit the field uh, on august 27th against vanderbilt because there are still at that time 15 scholarships floating around and a thousand players in the transfer <laughs> portal and so who knows what this team is going to look like 
come that season opener. And so uh, th- I'm super excited about seeing what this brand of Rainbow Warrior football looks like uh, against Vanderbilt, an SEC opponent to, to start the Timmy Chang era. I think this is uh, this is a, a, a great uh, cliffhanger for anyone <laughs> who enjoys Hawaii sports. Yeah, Timmy's pretty upfront about it too, right? I mean, it, at this time, hope springs eternal. Like, Timmy Chang is undefeated. He has yeah. not lost <laughs> yeah. a single game as head coach of the University of Hawaii football team. Uh, and But, yeah, we, we don't really know. I mean, this, this could land anywhere on the dartboard, mm-hmm. um, and it could be a work in progress. And as anyone who said they the think they know, Anyone who says they, they lie, you know, they, they are so full of it because nobody knows what's about to happen. Here. Not even Keegan Ota knows. I mean, I think that's that. And if there's anyone, <laughs> it would be him. <laughs> At least he would think so. Yeah. All right. Uh, switching gears. Uh, speaking of establishing culture and, and sort of a new first year head coach, you have Rich Hill and this UH baseball team. And uh, I think one of the most incredible things is uh, this is the final series coming up for the UH baseball team this season, uh, starting tonight against Cal Poly. They'll go tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday. Uh, that will be a matinee game, 1 p.m. start time, uh, to close the season on senior day. Uh, but I think one of the, m- the most incredible accomplishments is this series that isn't for anything. Like, there's no bid to the NCAA tournament on the line. There's no Big West championship on the line. It is purely bragging rights. It is purely trying to finish the season on a high note. Uh, you have Cal Poly, which has won 11 straight games. I think they've won eight out of nine Big West series this year. You have Hawaii, which has won seven straight overall series, including a road sweep at UCSD this past weekend. Uh, the fact that you have these two teams playing with really nothing tangible on the line, and yet I tend to feel there is a significant vibe of excitement about this matchup, uh, that's that's an accomplishment unto itself. Okay, so this is what this reminds me of. And and you can stop me if, if you think I'm totally nowhere near what's really going on <laughs> here. But 2005 University of Hawaii football, right? They won five games that year. They, by no stretch of the imagination, were they a really good football team. But they had these pieces. Mm-hmm. They had Ryan Grice Mullen. They had Devon Best. They had Colt Brennan, obviously. You had uh, Adam Leonard and Solomon Elamimi and these young players. They were all freshmen and sophomores. And they weren't necessarily winning games, but within those games, they're showing you glimpses of like, oh, wait a second here. This could be something. And and I think with this baseball team, yes, there's nothing to play for. But with that being said, there's a lot to play for. If they could finish in second place in the Big West Conference, they've already accomplished the first ever Big West Conference winning season. Mm -hmm. They've already accomplished a winning season overall. And then, and, and having done that with the way they started the season is incredible. At one point, they had won 21 and 26, I think it was, right, to get to where they are. And then you look at the lineup and and who's returning next season. I think I, I had multiple conversations with people throughout the year of saying like, man, it, it's, you know, as they were getting closer and as they were starting to win games, there was that conversation of, wow, you know, they're they're performing and they're doing it. And there's to no disrespect to anyone on the team. But when you put the 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 lineup on a wall, you look at it and you say like, hey, these are a lot of six, seven, eight hitters on other teams. And now by the end of the year, you're looking at Jordan Donahue, Stone Meow, Dallas Duarte, Matt Wong, Cole Cabrera, Kyson Donahue, Bronson Rivera. I mean, these guys are all legitimate top-of-the-order guys now. And you watch that develop before your eyes. So I think that's what's created this buzz is that not only are they winning games, but you've seen these players absolutely transform, especially in the batter's box. And of all those names that I listed, 
Cole Cabrera is the only one that for sure is not coming back. Matt Wong has the option to come back. He's still 50-50, according to head coach Rich Hill. He will participate in yeah, he is being celebrated yeah, the this senior weekend. day festivities on Saturday. But if he ends up wanting to come back, UH wants him back, he will be back. And so this is an exciting time when you're looking at building a foundation. And uh, like I said, it reminds me of that 2005 UH football team where at the end of the year when they were playing San Diego State, That's was right. there anything to play for? No. It was a fifth win of the season, but there was a lot to play for because it got people excited for 2006, and then we all remember what happened after that. That's right. Yeah, the following year, they almost win at Bama, and then, of course, 2007 was the undefeated regular season. You go to the Sugar Bowl. It was, uh, yeah, that was a glimpse uh, towards what would end up being, you know, maybe the, the greatest little stretch there in UH football history. You talk about the development of guys like Stone Meow and Jordan Donahue. Stone Meow was hitting a buck oh three in mid March. Here he is now, just under three hundred. He had two ninety five on the season. Oh, Jordan man. Donahue was batting one eleven in late February. He's now hitting three thirteen. I mean, that's mind block, uh, mind boggling, mind blowing. Easy for me to say. I mean, that's how astounded I am when you when you think about those kinds of improvements. Yeah, and, and when you look at when the Big West Conference honors come out, I'm interested to see how many people were paying attention to what the University of Hawaii bats were doing throughout the course of this season. Because, yeah, right there. I mean, when you look at that jump in batting average, I mean, and, and it's not surprising if you followed UH baseball because it seems like every game Jordan Donahue gets three hits. And, you know, and when he's not hitting the ball, he's taking a walk, he's getting on base. And so it, it, it it's crazy, man. It, I, I love what this baseball team has done from a development side of things and, and – it's been exciting to watch. What do you think about what's coming in on the other side? We have a couple minutes here before we got to take a break, but you have Brooks Lee, the shortstop for Cal Poly. He's the coach's son. Uh, he is projected by some publications to be the number one overall pick in the upcoming baseball draft. You have on the mound Drew Thorpe, who's 6'4", 190 righty. He's a sophomore. I mean, everything is prototypical about this guy. And he also happens to be leading currently the nation in strikeouts. Uh, that's what Hawaii's got to go up against tonight. Interestingly enough, it, it uh, sounds as though Andy Archer is going to be the starter here for the opener. Uh, everyone's going to be backed up a little bit. Lee Pontes uh, will be the guy with the ball on the mound tomorrow and then Kate Halimanu on Saturday. Um, you know, Rich Hill is saying that's because this is an earlier series and, and the, the days necessary for rest uh, for a guy like Blaze, Koali Ipantes, and Kate Halimanu, who tend to be guys that need a little bit more of the extended rest, at least according to Rich Hill. But it kind of works out as well when you think about pitching matchups, especially when you have Drew Thorpe on the mound for the Mustangs tonight. And, and I'm glad you brought this up because I mean, this goes to if anyone is listening and they're thinking like, oh, this sounds like a, a fun series to go and watch and maybe I want to bring my kids or, I mean, that on the other side of things from the University of Hawaii and what they're trying to do here and the excitement around their development, it's Brooks Lee, man. This is an opportunity to see a bona fide major leaguer. This guy will be in the bigs yeah. in probably four years, maybe three um, like you said, I mean, Baltimore Orioles maybe at the top of the draft or a, a few picks later at Pittsburgh based on who needs pitching, who needs bats. I, I think those are the two landing spots for him. This is like the real deal. It reminds you of when Rice and those uh, mid-2000 Fresno State teams or late-2000 Fresno State teams would come in and there were a handful of guys that you could kind of point
point at and be like, yeah, they're big leaguers. I yeah. mean, or even um, as recently as a like a Josh a, Allen in Wyoming, Bieber, yeah. Um, you know, and, and and some of the other guys uh, uh, from out of UC Irvine, UCSB, and those schools in the Big West Conference. And so, uh, tr- if you can make it down to the ballpark yeah. and watch. Both of these guys play because both Thorpe and Lee, and this is the crazy part. They're second place in the Big West. There's no chance at a regional and all that, right? Yet two players on this Cal Poly team are on the finalist list for Golden Spikes Award, which is essentially the Heisman Trophy of baseball. And I want to say, what, 24 guys make that list? And two of them are on the And they're the only ones out of the Big West Conference. There are no other Big West players. Yeah, real deal. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, you were talking about some of the Rice teams and, and like, Aaron Judge with Fresno State and that kind of stuff. Uh, And then I was thinking, like, even on the football field, it would kind of be like when Hawaii was going up against Wyoming and Josh Allen and you had, like, Mm -hmm. these superstars. You're like, oh, we know we're going to be seeing these guys playing on Sunday. Uh, And and Brooks Lee is kind of like that. Like, this guy is potentially a star. I mean, by all accounts, he's a major leaguer right now in terms of his ability. Uh, he's just still wearing a college uniform. That's pretty crazy. So, yeah, that one gets started tonight. We're very excited about that. We're very excited to continue the show on the other side with uh, a new segment we like to call Bucket O Questions. We just go random, rapid fire of sports topics. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the ESPN Honolulu studio, sitting across from my man, KHON2 Sports Director. Robbie D. Rob DeMello is in the house. Uh, we have Keegan Ota in the adjacent room, and he's going to be reading us off some topics. We brought a big bucket into the studio with us. It's full of current topics, right, that we can discuss here. I thought it was kava, my bad. Yeah, no, I know. that You were very disappointed <laughs> when you saw it was just a random a bunch of pieces of paper. But uh, what we're going to ask Keegan to do is reach into that bucket. We're calling this segment Bucket O Questions. And basically, Keegan, you reach in there, you pull a, a topic out, and uh, you read it to us, and we'll try to break it down as quickly as possible. Oh, I got one. Okay, so basically the NBA games haven't been great. Some NHL games have been great. So right now for you guys, what's the better ticket? Attending an NHL game or attending an NBA game in person? Okay, so this is kind of a, a general question. I think this is something you can ask uh, just at any time of the year. Uh, I've, I've experienced both, going to an NBA game in person, going to an NHL game in person. I think it depends on on who's playing, right? I mean, I'm, I'm a big basketball fan, so if it's like LeBron on the floor or if it's my Spurs, then I think that's going to bring my attention for sure. If you ask me what the best overall experience is, though, however... I think I'm leaning to the NHL, man. Like, you walk in there, and it's like that cool, brisk air off the ice that just sort of meets you when you enter the the arena. Uh, the place that I watched hockey was in Vegas, in the, the Vegas Knights, and so they put on, like, this whole grandiose show. It's basically like if Cirque du Soleil and the NHL uh, created this entity, that's kind of what it felt like. And so, yeah, the overall excitement, and, and hockey's one of those sports where – Television does not do it justice. When you're there and you hear and see these big brutes of men hammering against the, the boards and you, you hear some of those crashes and collisions and you see just how fast that bleeping puck is flying around, uh, it is a different experience altogether. So I think I'm actually going to the NHL side. A double down, co-sign on that. In fact, it's an easy answer for me because I've experienced both. I mean, and I've gone to games to watch LeBron James. I've gained, yeah. I've gone to games to watch Michael Jordan, you know, at the end of his career when he was with the Wizards and and uh, sought out these specific games to watch. And then I was, and I tell this to anyone who will listen, that there is no better ticket in sports than a regular season <laughs> Golden Knights hockey game. 
I mean, the, they do it right, man. And, and and you're, you know, I know there's a lot of people in Hawaii that don't grow up wa- watching hockey, and and um, and you're absolutely right with the the TV product is nowhere near the in person product. I urge anybody who can, especially because there's a team in Vegas now. We all love to, ve- uh, to to travel to Las Vegas. Is when you can go to a Golden Knights game. It doesn't need to be a playoff game. It doesn't need to be against a rival. It could just be a random game any time of the year, and it's going to be one of the best sports experiences you ever have in your life. Yeah, I, I would go so far as to say that in almost every other sport, the the technology and, and in terms of of television coverage has gotten so progressive and gotten so good uh, that the TV experience, you could argue, is actually better than going to a stadium to watch an NFL game. I know there's something about the romance of being there in person, but like the actual product and how you can follow the game and see the the minute details, um, the TV product, I think, is better. Probably the same for baseball, probably the same for basketball. Uh, You know, with the exception of just that overall feeling of being there with the masses, uh, I would say that the the digesting of the sport and the product is better on TV, with the exception of hockey. All right, what's next, Keegan? All right, you have Aaron Rodgers, you have Tom Brady, you have Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, and you have Josh Allen. No, this is not an NFL Pro Bowl situation. <laughs> this is the match, which is the golf exhibition scheduled for June 1st at the Wynn Golf Resort. Now, Last time they kind of had pro golfers, right? They, you know, yeah. you had Phil Mickelson and all that, right? But this time, no golfers. It is, well, not pro golfers, I should say. It's all elite NFL quarterbacks. So, guys, are you here for this match? Yeah, are you here for this iteration of the match? You're right, because one of the last matchups was it was Brooks Kepka going up against Bryson DeChambeau, and there was a bit of that rivalry. So that was pretty cool to see. This is going to be all football dudes uh, trying to, to hammer drives off of, of off of the tee. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady playing this thing before. Uh, yeah, I think I'm here for it. I mean, it's not something that I'm necessarily like, rushing to the TV to watch, but uh, I'm intrigued. If it's on, I happen to be home, I'll be clicking it on, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I'll say this. I'm way more interested interested to watch this than I would if there were PGA golfers and pro golfers uh, mixed amongst a bunch because I mean these are just guys that that are going to be talking smack and yeah. they're going to be having fun and and so I would definitely watch this over the previous product, but I did not watch the previous product and I'm <laughs> pretty sure I won't watch this one, but if I had to choose uh, between the two, I would definitely yeah. watch this. One. I mean, you got four alphas, right? So I think just like the interaction, it, it would potentially be kind of cool. Yeah. I'm not sure if it'll live up to like the expectations, but yeah, if they start talking a little junk and here are guys who are just like, they're the kings of their industry, really. And then that, that's always kind of a cool thing to see that kind of collective. Yeah, and you're probably going to hear cool stories that you never heard before them just, you know, just talking as they're walking, right? Like if uh, pick a basketball game, I mean, some of the best conversations in the yeah. world happen uh, during timeouts of that. So uh, yeah, it sounds fun. Yeah. If uh, Aaron Rodgers starts talking about Joe Rogan, though, I am turning <laughs> it off. All right. What's next, Keegan? All right. So. Pepsi announcing that it is ending its title sponsorship of the Super Bowl halftime show. So, well, after that great performance that happened last Super Bowl. So, what's your pick for the best (laughs) halftime show in Super Bowl 
history. Did I sense some sarcasm in that comment? There was that little no, it editorial. Was, no, it was, no, 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 it was a great. Oh, it was okay. A great show. All right, just making sure. Just trying I mean, to I can't read even tell with this guy anymore. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He's like, hey guys, you guys are so cool. <laughs> that was a really great show today. Can't wait for you to <laughs> I, be back, Rob. I, I, I don't have the sunglasses on while I was reading. That, <laughs> okay, so that's you the know tell. Why it was true. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. That's the tell. When you play poker with Keegan, if he's wearing the sunglasses, fold. If he's not wearing the sunglasses, go all in. Um, so what's the best Super Bowl halftime show? It, I'm, it's a little recency biased. I kind of really liked last year's one. I know it wasn't as extravagant a show as others have been. Um, I would probably place it if I were to pick one, it's probably that one. You had Dr. Dre and Snoop and Eminem. And these are like some of my heroes, right? You know me. I love hip-hop. Uh, and so for it to have that center stage kind of attention was pretty great. Uh, you probably have to go, you know, maybe another one that would at least battle that was Bruno Mars, man. Bruno was, he did his thing. He did his thing a couple of times, as a matter of fact. Uh, but, yeah, I know it's probably recency bias at hand here, but I think I'm going last year's. Yeah, you know, so I have a little interesting thing with this is that my youngest son, Nico, uh, was obsessed with Super Bowl halftime shows when when he was about one years old and uh, it was the the weekend was the the Super Bowl halftime oh, show yeah. at the time so they were watching that Super Bowl I was working my my wife and son were watching that Super Bowl halftime show and he loved it and so he would ask for it and I, and I can't remember he would call he would call it bowl. And so he asked, bowl, bowl, and that meant he wanted to watch the weekend Super Bowl halftime show. And so we would play it, and through it, because we would play it on YouTube, on the television, then it would like, oh, you may also want to watch this. And so we would play the Bruno Mars one and the Lady Gaga. And so he began, as time went on, asking for Gaga or Bruno or Ball. And so we watched these Super Bowl halftime shows nonstop for about a year and a half. And uh, so with all that being said, and I watched them all because of this, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm an expert in this. This is in your wheelhouse. Number one is Lady Gaga. That was the best Super Bowl halftime show. Wow. I, I really, I, I mean, she killed it. And if you take away, like, the whole, like, hey, I'm a man, and, <laughs> like, you know, no. Like, if you just look at entertainment value and, and, and you appreciate what she did in that performance, uh, and you're just real with it. I think Lady Gaga's number one, Bruno Mars number two. I think uh, that Beyonce, which featured Bruno Mars, that was actually Coldplay though, right? Well, Coldplay, yeah. And then Beyonce, no, and Beyonce Bruno came on just show. like, yeah, they yeah. just like the, the the lead singer for Coldplay yeah. is like looking over their shoulder yeah. in the back, yeah. like, hey, remember me? No, and that's exactly how it played out too. At the end of it, it's like they stand in front of him, and he's like, oh hi. What a bad but, idea that yeah. was. Why would you agree to that if you're Coldplay? But it was so good. It was so good, and so that's my top three right there. And um and and we can talk about all of them and go down the list, uh, but. That's my top three. Number one, without a doubt, Lady Gaga. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Are we still allowed to say that the Michael Jackson one was pretty good? Are no, we still allowed to say that? No, I'm it not was, sure. It, it was, was good. I, mean, I am fairly surprised y'all didn't mention uh, Prince. I am oh, Prince very was pretty good. Surprised. Prince was great. No, Prince it was, was good. great. It, it was, was great. Hey, there were some great performances here over the last you know 30 yeah. years of this thing. and so. Uh, but, but, but Prince didn't rap Lose Yourself. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Prince also sung outside in the rain while singing Purple Rain. You can't get any better than that. I'm just saying. The circumstances that were... Hey, SoFi Stadium's indoors. You can do that anywhere. Hey, Prince didn't have 50 Cent hanging upside down, and what made it even more impressive is it looked like 50 Cent picked up 50 pounds. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, I think we're done with the seven. We're, like, so far overdue to take a break. We're going to try to finish this, squeezing in our best and worst when we come back. Let's talk sports. I saw you there standing under the mango tree.
Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here sitting across from Robbie D. Rob DeMello, KHON2 Sports Director, getting played back into the show by 3 Plus and Honey Baby. Like, 3 Plus, man, they just, like, reunited. They've done a couple of shows. Not sure if we're going to have, like, some albums or, or some new productions coming from them, but 3 Ooh, Plus is I all like time. It. Marcus Malapiai, Kailua High School. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, 3 Plus is all time, man. That That's a classic. All right, so we like to finish the show with our best and worst. Uh, what are you coming in here with? Uh, Rob, as far as your best is concerned. All right. My best is that it's been reported that the NBA has earmarked Seattle and Las Vegas oh as expansion teams oh in 2024 in the National Basketball Association, which means Ninth Island basketball for the rest of my life <laughs> starting in 2024. Who's coming with me? <laughs> Wait, but you just have said, like, in shows past, like, you're not that big of a, of a basketball guy. Yeah, well, but then basketball will be in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's a game changer. I wasn't a big hockey guy until the Vegas Golden Knights were established. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, the live betting that will be available in the arena for a Las Vegas NBA franchise? I mean, obviously, you know, this is becoming more federally accepted, and so they'll have this in almost every arena at some point. But in Vegas, oh, where it'll just be man. like, it'll be like whoever's playing for Vegas or whatever they're playing to be like Jimmy Butler at the free throw line and like the live bet will be like does he make this next free throw <laughs> bling, 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 bling. yeah I mean this unbelievable stuff uh, that is pretty cool and if if they do bring a franchise back to Seattle which they absolutely should oh, is one yeah. of the, the biggest crimes in all of sports history is that the Seattle Sonics left to become the Oklahoma City Thunder. If they establish another franchise there in Seattle, they better call them the Supersonics, oh, they, man. Oh, they got to be the Supersonics. And it's so great, too. It works out so perfectly geographically. We bring in two teams from the West. You could put Minnesota in the East where they belong. That's not a West Coast yeah. team, right? And, and so it just works out perfectly. And then my next obsession is going to be, what is the Las Vegas team going to be called? Ooh. Like So so uh, Las Vegas Venom? How do you like that? Venom. Right? All right. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, we can we can talk about this for days. You know what? Uh, mark it down. Earmark that as a topic for next time you're on the yeah. show next week. Although WNBA, they they got the best name. The That's Aces. Why the Aces. Las yeah. Vegas Aces is a great name. That's a pretty so. good one. Yeah. So about like the the Las Vegas Flush. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's avoid that one. The uh, Las Vegas Craps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We're, it's still a work in progress. All right. My best. Uh, there was an interview today. If you have a chance, I'm not sure where it gets posted, uh, but Intentional Talk is a talk show on the MLB Network, uh, and it uh, features Kevin Millar along with Steven Nelson. That's a brother. Uh, yeah. Steven Nelson has ties here, and, and um, you know, this month happens to also be Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, uh, and Steven Nelson, who definitely reps the 808, flashes the shaka and stuff on the show. He's really good uh, with Kevin Millar. That's a, that's a fun show to watch. And today they happen to feature an interview with Colton Wong. This is the day after he made another incredible play uh, at second base. It was part of a 2-1 win over the Padres, and he dove, uh, was, was way over on the shortstop side of second base, made a diving stop, flipped, there was a runner at first, flipped via his glove while supermanning on the turf, uh, flipped it to uh, the shortstop to at least initiate what would have or could have possibly been a double play. They ended up not getting the runner at first. But it was like magnificent stuff, and he makes it look so effortless. Uh, but what made the interview so cool was Steven Nelson was wearing a YKO Water T-shirt, and I guess there's a promotion if you uh, buy a YKO Water T-shirt, uh, it actually goes to a fund that Colton's established to buy books 
for public schools here in Hawaii. Uh, they gave Colton the floor to talk about his upbringing as a person of part Native Hawaiian ancestry. Uh, they talked about his pops, Kaha Wong, being Maui Ahuna's hitting coach. Maui Ahuna, who just announced he's entering the transfer portal after hitting like almost 400 this year at Kansas. Uh, and then uh, Colton's son, Cash, uh, it, it uh, came out. Kevin Millar, the co-host of the show, has a son also named Cash. I was like, well, this is a great interview it was just really fun and, and really cool to see uh colton kind of getting that kind of treatment yeah you know and that is a great show it's one of my favorite shows to watch in, intentional talk and, and uh steven nelson like you brought up he reps hawaii hard his grandmother is from hawaii and that's where the the tie belongs and his mother really and uh so yeah check it out when you can it's in the mornings here in hawaii intentional talk is good stuff yeah all right uh what's your worst Rob? All right, so it's funny because when I came in here, you asked me, oh, do you have a best and worst? And I said, no, I don't have a worst, man. I, I have my best. I have my worst. And you started laughing and saying, like, oh, is life, life that is good? good. Life, life is, is good. Life is good for Rob DeMello. So then I started thinking, and, you know, during one of these breaks, you, you brought up the passing of Ray Liotta, a great actor, and um, uh, and asked me what my favorite Ray Liotta role was. And, and I started racking my brain. And, I mean, it's the most eye-roll-inducing thing ever because Kanoli, he is like Mr. High Makamaka of the Arts. Like, he's like this, like, music and, and uh, cinematic uh, aficionado. Okay, so and let me let me, let me me set this up. <laughs> let me just say, uh, I think it's clear. Okay, we have, like, 10 seconds. My favorite Ray Liotta role, Shoeless Joe Jackson in Field of Dreams, of course, and also playing Henry Hill in Goodfellas. What's yours, Rob? Operation Dumbo. Drop. <laughs> I mean, of course. Of course it would be. Um, <laughs> we got to get out of here on that note. You know, my worst was the Miami Heat missing 38 threes yesterday in game five of that series. But that's a way better way to punctuate this show. Thanks to Robbie D, big fan of <laughs> Operation Dumbo Drop. Thanks to the most uh, confident man on earth, Keegan Ota, across the way. I'm Kanoa Leahy. See you guys tomorrow. Let's talk sports.